I've just been stirred in my spirit a lot about talking about um, your identity, how to find your identity in Christ. And we're going to talk about that today. It is very important in these times that you know who you are, who you are in him. There is only one individual that has a right to define you, and that is your creator. And the Bible says a lot about who you've been made in Christ. So this is so important. Guys, we are living, the Bible says, in the last days. It talks about the last days. Those started, the last days started when Jesus came out of the tomb. When the church age was birthed, those are the last days, okay? Then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says in English in the King James, in the last days, perilous times will come. But if you dig a little bit in the Greek language, it says it a little different. It says in the final days. So we are living in the final days of the last days. And it says perilous times will come. That Greek word perilous literally means dangerous, difficult, and strength-reducing times will come. For men will be lovers of their own selves. So self-centeredness is the key. It opens the door to everything, right? That is the very nature of Satan. Selfishness, self-centeredness. What comes out of that? Fear. And what does fear do? It opens the door for the enemy to come steal, kill, and destroy, right? But it says in Romans that the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, what is that law? The law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, that is literally the law of love. It's the very nature of God. What comes out of the love of God? Faith. Faith works by love. What does that do? It enables an individual to lay hold of all that Jesus has provided for them in salvation, in redemption. The law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has not set me free, but made me free from the law of sin and death. You've been made free. So today, you are free. You may not feel free. It may not even look like you're free. But I'm telling you, as you find your identity in Christ, the light of the word of God starts growing in your life and you will see things not as they seem, not as they feel, but as they really are. And when you see who you are in Christ, you will never allow the enemy to bring any kind of bondage or death in your life again. Because you will realize that he has been stripped of all power and of all authority and you have been given all power and authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen? So we're going to talk about this today. Go, to, go to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to just launch off here in verse 20. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's so important that you preach the word of God under the anointing of God and you preach it in the love of God. That's the way the Holy Spirit moves. Because that anointing that is upon the word of God will lift burdens. It'll destroy yokes of bondage, which many times those yokes of bondage, they're lies of the enemy. Always realize this, when a lie is exposed, it loses all of its power. So who I'm talking to today 
I'm talking to you as a child of God. You are not clothed in righteousness. You have been made righteous. You are righteous. Righteous in yourself? No, no, no. You've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. So look at what the Bible says about finding your identity. This is, this is Paul writing to the church at Galatians. He's talking about himself. This is <clears throat> breathed by the Spirit of God. He says, I am crucified with Christ. In the Greek language, it would literally read, I have been and am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But then it goes on to say, but hold on a second, yet not I, it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I'm now living in the flesh, this natural life, I live it by the faith of God. What? Not my faith? No, no, the faith of God. I live it, I live it by the faith of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. You and I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. But wait a minute, it's not I that's living, it's Christ that's living in me. And now as I walk through my life, I walk by the faith of God. The faith that looked at a storm that was trying to take them out and said, peace, be still. The faith that stood at a tomb of his friend Lazarus after three days and he had the stone rolled away and commanded Lazarus to come forth, that faith. What is the limit of the faith of God? You can't define that because it's limitless, right? You and I, as children of God, we must walk as his child under the light of his word, yielded to him, for he is our life, right? So what does that mean? I walk yielding to the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart. I walk being continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord with his strength and power. So I'm strong in him. I walk literally by the faith of God. I walk being led by the very spirit of God. That's how we walk. We are the body of Christ. The Bible says things like, as he is, not, not when he was on the earth, as he is, seated at the right hand of God in heaven, a place of all power, all authority, given a name above every name, as he is, so are you and I in this world. God wants you and I to know who we've been made. Right? Man, you're human. I'm human. But we are not only human. We are children of God. We have the very life of God in us. And this world needs it, guys. Have you noticed? There's, there's a battle going on. Right? It's been going on since the garden. I would say the last three years, more than any time in human history, Satan has come out of the shadows. 
And he's, he's loud and he's brass and he's like, I am going to turn this world into a satanic slave market, which is always what I want to do. But he can't do it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now that doesn't happen automatically. But those of us who dive in the word of God and find out who we are, we know how to bring God on the scene to change things. So, from this verse alone, this tells me that my complete and total identity comes from Jesus Christ. You can't look anywhere else and find out who you are, right? Who I am, who you are, comes from him. Isn't that good news? Wow. That's why I'm telling you this commandment that you love your brothers and sisters like Christ loved the church unconditionally. When you start to see who you've been made in him, you will start to see how precious not only you are, but you'll start to see how precious your brothers and sisters are. Even when their behavior doesn't look so precious. Because, see, it's easy for you to look at others and see how precious they are, even when they're not looking so precious, because you know what it's like to walk, not maybe looking so precious, but yet God looks at you as you really are precious. Right? Realize, guys, you are not what you do. When you realize that, your behavior will change. See, right now, in the church, especially... In so many parts of America, we, we've, we've embraced the world so much that we've dumbed it down so much that we look just like the world. Our behavior is just like the world. And we're missing out on who God has really made us, right? I mean, this is why, are we a seeker-sensitive church? I would tell you yes, but I define seeker-sensitive a lot different than most people do. Sometimes seeker-sensitive, we think of, we don't really preach the word because we don't want to offend people and all this other stuff. No, to me, I want us to be a beacon. If somebody wants to know God, if they're seeking, come here. We're going to give you the word of God under the anointing of God, in the love of God, so that you can grow up and find out who you are in him right? So we define that a little different. It's kind of like the 80-20 rule in churches. You know, 20% of the people do all the work. Well, we have an 80-20 rule here. I'm believing God that 80% do all the work and just the 20%, well, they're new and they're just trying to figure this deal out. Because the foundation in your Christian life is, is being planted in a local church where God wants you, right? That's so big because inside of you, there are gifts, there's grace, there's special faith. There's a supply that is necessary for that local body, the vision, God's vision for that church to go forward. That's why he plants people in different places. So important because then we come here and we get equipped and we walk together and do all this stuff. Why? So that we can go out there and do the ministry to be light in a dark world. But to do that, we got to know who we are. So jump over to Matthew chapter 16. You guys excited about this? 
I hope so. If you're not, it's okay. I am. Matthew 16, 13. I have a feeling you are. You guys are just excited about the word. You know, that's one thing I love about our church. The hunger level is growing. You know, it's, it's just really wonderful. Matthew 16, 13. I can't wait until when I'm driving to church, I got I to gotta pull into a driveway a couple blocks away, knock on the door and go, hey, can I I'm the pastor of this church. Can I park here? I can't even get to the church because so many people are coming and just have to walk, right? Telling you it's going to happen. You know why? We, the church has the answer. We have the answer, right? We talk about who we are so that we could find out that we have the answer. Look at this. Matthew 16, 13, it says, when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I am, that I the son of man am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But then Jesus said, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter, he answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, Peter jumps out there and says, you're him, you're the Messiah, right? And then look at what Jesus said to him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you but my Father, which is in heaven. In other words, Simon, my Father brought revelation knowledge to you by the Holy Spirit of who I really am. In other words, the Father revealed revelation knowledge of Jesus so that they could know who he was. Now, they had seen a lot of miracles, right? They had seen some miracles. But you know what? The miracles didn't reveal to them who Jesus was. Isn't that amazing? Israel saw miracles and still chose not to believe. I mean, you think about the children of Israel. They saw a lot of miracles. They eat a Passover lamb in Egypt and every one of them is healed and whole. They, they literally, they go from slaves to being wealthy. They brought all the wealth of Egypt out. Then they go to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They go over on dry ground, and then the most powerful army on the planet is destroyed in the Red Sea. They have a pillar of fire literally go with them by night and a cloud by day where the, pre they, they literally, could you imagine going on a hike? And there's God, there's the presence of God in a pillar of fire all night long and a pillar of a cloud all day, right? They throw a piece of wood in these bitter waters, they become sweet. They hit a rock and water comes out and waters them. Manna from heaven, miracle after miracle after miracle. God for six hundred years tells them i've given you this land i have a land for you this is what it is now there's there's people there that are greater than you 
There's cities there that are mightier, walled cities, but don't worry about that. I've given it to you for 600 years. They send 12 spies in and 10 spies come back and say, oh man, yeah, it's a good land, but we can't have it because guys, there's people in there that are greater than we are. There's walled cities there. Like that's brand new news. Joshua and Caleb said, haven't you been watching JNN? The Jewish News Network? And for 600 years they've been saying this. Right? They give 10 reasons why they could not have what God said he gave them. All the miracles that yet they didn't believe. But one revelation from Jesus. You know, we were there uh, at the Temple of Pan in Israel. So you come to this place... In Jesus' day, it was the most evil place. A rabbi would never walk that far with his disciples. And it was the Temple of Pan, and so there was this temple built into the side of this rock cliff, and there's this massive cave right next to it. They would literally throw babies in there, sacrificing them, right, to Pan. All this stuff, demonic. It was probably one of the most demonic places in that area, that place was called, that, that cave, it was called the gates of hell. Jesus, this whole thing is happening right there. Who do men say that I am? So they're seeing this big rock cliff with a temple, massive rock, right? And Jesus is like, you know, who do, who do men say that I am? Well, you know, maybe John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter the Father, by the Spirit of God, reveals to him in a moment of time, wow, this is the Christ. Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And then he says, wow, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, revealed it to you. We know how that's like as Christians, right? Because you were just walking through life, and all of a sudden you knew Jesus was the one. He's God. Right? It's the biggest decision in front of every human being. And remember, believing it, it's a choice, but God helps you. Right? So let's keep going on. And then he says this in verse 18, and I say to you, right after Peter says this, and I say also unto you that you are Peter. Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S is the Greek word. It means a small rock, like a piece of a rock, like a rock that you would throw, right? The word never means a big rock, not, not ever. This is a small, you're a small piece of the rock, okay? A fragment of a rock, and upon this rock, different Greek word, Petra, P-E-T-R-A, means a massive rock. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's amazing how educated theologians, people who study their whole life, will, will look at this scripture and say, see, the whole church is built on Peter. What? No, 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 no. What's the context of this whole? 
the whole church is built on a revelation of who Jesus is. You know, I said it in the first service. It's like, it's like, it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, there are pastors and ministers and teachers that are phenomenal, but they will talk about they will talk about this whole Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thing. And, and the interaction is, you know, there's three Hebrew teenagers. And, and the king, most powerful man in the world, goes, okay, I made an image of my God. When my orchestra plays, everybody bows to this image. Good. But if anybody decides not to bow, here's the deal. I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace the same hour. Right? So everybody bows. Pretty soon... Somebody's coming up to the king going, hey, um, everybody bowed. That's the good news. The bad news is these three slave Hebrew kids, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow. And the kid's like, wow, I like those guys. Hey, um, so he's, he's not really upset yet. And he looks at him and goes, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, I know you're teenagers. Maybe, maybe you weren't focused. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. My, my orchestra is going to play one more time. And if you bow down to that image, great. We'll just call that done. We'll forget this thing ever happened. But if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you the same hour into a fiery furnace. And then he's, now the king's getting, now, he's, now here comes Mr. Pride. He's the man. And who is that God that will deliver you out of my hand? So here's these three teenagers. They're just like teenagers. I mean, I love all the years of youth ministry. It's awesome. You know, adults will be like, oh, pastor, thank you, nice message. That was awesome. And then they'll go, oh, that, that was boring, man. You know, or whatever. Not youth. They're like, wow, this is ridiculous. Right to your face. You know, I love that. So here's these three teenagers. They're like, okay, so king, we're not going to be careful to answer you. In other words, dude, listen, here's the deal. Okay, let me, let me clarify something for you, king. Right? If you throw us in that furnace like you say you're gonna, our God is able to deliver us. It's right there. And he will deliver us. Not just able, he will deliver us. In other words, king, we are not dying in a furnace today. And we're surely not bowing. Right? Then they said... But if not, if not what? If you don't throw us in, we're still not going to bow. Educated people who study this will say, and if not, means I'm still not going to bow if you throw me in. Which is stupid. Because if they throw them in a fire, their name changes from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to Ash. So it's a non-issue. But they're saying, but if not, so like King, here's the deal. We're not bowing, but if you throw us in, our God will deliver us, right? But if you choose, if right now you just choose, okay, they're not bowing, and if you choose not to throw us in, we're not bowing ever. He got so upset that he's like, turn the furnace up seven times because you know you have to turn a fiery furnace up seven times to kill a human being. No, that's stupid, right? But it's amazing how we don't see things. But if you look at the word, it's like Jesus, 
Or Peter, you're a little rock, but upon this rock, what? The revelation knowledge that Jesus is the Messiah, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This word prevail means will not overpower it, will not ever be superior in strength. Do you know the enemy could look big and bad? But he'll never be more superior in strength than us. This, this, this Greek word also means that the enemy will never get the upper hand over the church. So thou art Peter. This is a biblical principle. Once you gain revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, you find out who you are. That's the principle. No revelation knowledge of Jesus, you won't know who you are. You'll be out living like the world thinking that's awesome. Man, I just really love to do this and I really love... And you're like, there's nothing in this world that could compare to walking with God. I mean, nothing. Not even, not even in the same realm. For a Christian, you don't like any of it. It causes inner turmoil. If you're out there living like the world and there's no inner turmoil, I got an answer for you. You're not born again. You need to get saved. Because see, people, why is Jesus going to say to multitudes of people, they're going to come up to him and say, hey, man, I pray, I, you know, I preached, I laid hands on the sick, I did this, I did that. And Jesus is going to look at him and go, Depart from me, I never knew you. How is that possible? Well, because we don't understand what the word believe means. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. This is like first scripture everybody learns. He gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So people will go to church and they're like, well, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah, I, I do believe Jesus is God. So yeah, I'll pray that prayer. But that's, see, I believe this chair, I, I believe this chair has a reserve sign on it. Okay, I believe there's air in the air right now. I'm breathing it. I just believe that. But the word believe in the Bible means I believe it so strongly that I'm willing to commit my life to it. See, faith without works is dead. Now, does it mean to get to be a Christian, you've got to be flawless? Well, no. I'm a living example of that. I am born again. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the righteousness of Almighty God. Do I always act like that? I, that's my goal. Now, I'm full, of, I'm full of the word. So if I get off here in the flesh, I jump back pretty quick. But do I ever choose to go, yeah? You know, has somebody ever cut me off on Dodge and me not been really happy with them? Yeah. The minute I do that, I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Right? Husbands, have you ever said something to your wife and you would give anything to like reach out and grab that word and go, let me just pull that back and just pretend like we never said that before. Right? Now, wives, you guys are perfect. So you ladies are perfect. That never happens with you at all, ever. Right? And all the women are like, yeah, preach it, pastor, right? The word, the word for perfect in the Bible, it literally means, for spiritual maturity, when it's talking in context, it always means it's adjust and repair. 
But to be saved, you have to believe in your heart, Jesus is my Lord. That he, he died, he rose from the dead, he's seated in heaven, and he is not only Lord of all, today he becomes my Lord. He owns me. And I'm willing to commit my life to that. And we have unlimited mercy, right? Because here's the thing, to be in pride, to act just like somebody who doesn't know God, all you have to do is nothing because you have flesh, right? And, and, you know, there's a lot of Christians that actually are weapons in their own church because they, they, they act like the world and they, they think they're everybody's judge and they think they know everything. And, and, and that's, you know, what is that? They're just given into their flesh and they're blind. They don't know some things. But that's why we teach the word. Aren't you glad God never gives up on us? So, so this word believe, that's big. That what burns in my heart. Man, I'm telling you, I don't, ever, I don't want people sitting in these seats thinking they're okay when they're not. If you know somebody who says they're a Christian and they have no desire for God to read the Bible, to come to church, to, I mean, if they're not being pricked in their heart with behaviors that are contrary to the Bible, if they're not pricked in their heart at all, minister to them like they're not saved because they're probably not, right? Because see, here's the difference. You've got a carnal Christian who's born again. When he's out there doing stuff, inner turmoil will be there because his spirit doesn't want to do it. Right? The other, the other who's not born again, there's no prick inside of them because they're not born again. And don't get caught up on the behavior thing because here's the thing. How do you change your behavior? Well, you just suck it up and work really hard and you just make sure... You know, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Well, good luck with that. I mean, if you make that commitment now at 11.57, you'll be okay. Maybe, you know, we get out of church 12.30. You might be okay through church. But at lunch, you're probably going to start deviating. And by 3 o'clock, you probably are going to blow it. But if you forget about the behavior, fix your eyes on Jesus... And focus on, I have been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. And you gain a revelation knowledge of who you actually are in him. See, your behavior flows out of your revelation knowledge of you being righteous. So how do you fix your behavior? That's how I fix my behavior. I just, I get so thankful of who he's made me, that all of a sudden, this thing that I wanted to do in the past, I'm going, ew. No, I, don't, I just don't, I'm not going to do that anymore. I remember in youth ministry, man, over and over again, I would tell people, listen, forget the do's and don'ts. Christianity is not about do's and don'ts. It's about relationship. Forget the do's and don'ts. Right? I love it. You know, and I, t I tell this story about my great friend Darcy, you know. She comes to Christ. She's helping me with a middle school group. And three months into it, I come to church. She punches me in the shoulder. I'm mad at you. Why? What did I do? You didn't tell me that I shouldn't be smoking weed. <laughs> She's like, I'm, smoke I'm smoking weed. Then I come on a Wednesday night to church. 
after I've smoked weed and I'm, I'm helping minister to these kids. I'm laughing. And, and she goes, I just realized I haven't smoked a joint for like a month. And I, she goes, I've been smoking weed since I was nine years old. Right? She was having sex when she was like 11 years old on, didn't even know it was wrong. Didn't even know, really know what it was. But it was just the environment. But then she gets born again. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, wait. No, no, I don't, I don't do that anymore. That's not who I am. And so, and, and I smiled at her. I said, isn't it awesome that you didn't come to this church and, and, when, I, and when, when I led you to Christ that I didn't say, okay, now Darcy, now listen, you gotta stop doing this and stop doing that and stop. What am I doing right now? I'm working out her salvation. She's gonna fail and, and she's never gonna be. But, but here's what Jesus does. He takes her by the hand and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't tell her, stop smoking weed. He says, Keep looking at me. Keep getting a revelation of who I am. Because the principle is once you, know, once you get to know who I am, you will actually get to know who you are. In me. Right? This is what we're talking about. It's the freedom of Christ. The grace of God. It doesn't give you a license to sin. It empowers you to walk free from it. Anyway. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So in other words, your identity, who you really are, is wrapped up in who he is. Isn't that good news? Christ Jesus and the revelation of that rock is the rock that the church is built on. I love that. We discover who we are in him as we gain revelation knowledge of who he is. That's the principle. So as we talk about identity, we're not talking about, listen, you need to act this way or act, forget about all that. You peer into Jesus and you get to know him and you'll get to know you. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, wait a minute, I'm not a person. It, it's, this is what happens. Your desires go, they change from all of a sudden, this desire in your flesh can't compare to the desire of your heart in Christ. So it's not like, it's not like, well, I stopped this behavior because he strengthened me. It's no, my desire for him, just eclipsed this, and that kind of just fell off. It's just not, it's not a part of me anymore. That's the difference between being set free and being made free. This is why we have to teach on righteousness, right? You can never discover your true identity until you simply surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And this is why in our environment, we, we have to have an environment of the Spirit of God so that we can get free and walk in the freedom that we're already free. We have to surrender because if you're not surrendered to him, you're, you're not gonna peer into him. It's gonna hinder your revelation of him and you're never gonna know who you are. 
And this is why we never work out anybody else's salvation. Right? I mean, we have people, they'll come to our church and, and, and you know, sometimes they have to get up early and leave. And then they'll come to me. I could always tell what kind of church they went to before. Oh, pastor, pastor, I am so sorry that I left early. I had to, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out. It's, I didn't even notice you left, and uh, even if I did, who cares? Right, just relax, right? Oh, pastor, next week, I'm not gonna be in church because, no, you know, we don't, we don't take role, <laughs> right? This is not about that. Or then, you know, there's this church that has this thing going on and there's a speaker that's there and I really want to see it, but oh gosh, I can't tell pastor because <laughs> relax. Go enjoy whoever, whatever, right? We got to get over this stuff and focus on who we are in Christ because this is the key. But see, this is why we must surrender to him. You're not going to surrender to somebody that you don't trust, that you don't know loves you, that you don't know. See, this is why God says, man, I, I love you right where you are. Right where you are, you are the apple of my eye. And you just keep walking with me, and the longer you walk with me, the more you'll become like me. Right? And what I mean by that is the more you'll become like me outwardly. You're already like me inwardly. Okay? So, Romans chapter 8, verse 16 Romans 8, 16, it says this, the spirit itself, now that's the Greek word autos, so really it's the spirit himself. He's not some woo-woo it. He's a person. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. As you walk through life, the Holy Spirit, if there's sickness in your body, the Holy Spirit will be going with Scripture. He'll bring up Scripture and go, whoa, whoa, time out. That sickness has no, no legal right in your body because I redeemed you from that. You're my child. It'll always be, you're my child, you're my child, you're my child. Don't put up with this. Don't put up with that. You'll see your kids going in a certain direction. Don't get freaked out. You, your seed will be mighty on the earth. Don't, Right? That's what he does. He'll bear witness, you're my child. You're my righteous child. Don't put up with that. That's how he works. If you don't, see, here's the big thing, and this is why we're talking about it. If you don't get your identity from Christ, then where are you getting your identity from? And I could tell you this, that's not good anywhere else. The man or woman getting out of jail tomorrow because they served their sentence. And they're getting out of jail and they are now free. Are they? If they have a criminal record, they're going to get to go look for jobs and they're going to have people say, sorry, sorry, no, 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 no. They need to know, wait a minute, no, 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 no. In Christ, he makes you free. And now, anything you have in your life is a non-issue to your future. God says, I'll open a door that no man can shut. I'll shut a door that no man can open. The blessing of Abraham's upon you. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. I'll make you the head and not the tail in me. They all need to know that. Right? And no, no matter what it is, the guy who in business starts a business and goes bankrupt and is afraid to try anything else because he failed. 
Or, you know, or listen, I was in a marriage and it, it ended and it was my fault and uh, whatever, right? If you're divorced, stop saying you're divorced. You're single. If you have a desire to be married, guess what that means? God will bring that man or bring that woman. You follow him and he will hand deliver them. Right before you, you have a great marriage. You'll never fail again, right? That's your future, don't ever say you're a failure. You can't. You're not. This is, but we gotta, I, we gotta get our identity from the word of God, from Christ. We don't get it. Because see, here's the other end of that. Well, I'm this. I make a lot of money, so I'm something special. Or, or what I do for a living is so awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. But my, what the Bible says to you, Mr. Pride and Arrogance, is what do you actually have that you haven't received? Oh, you've got all those degrees. That's great. What, um, who gave you the brain? And oh, by the way, that, you know, I'm talking to you so you're alive. What about, what about those lungs that are breathing air right now? And by the way, what about the air? What do you have that you have not received? And if you've received it, why in the world are you ask, acting like you didn't? See, this is a whole different world. It's where you learn how to walk in honor for him because of all that he's done for you, and then it's reflected horizontally, and you honor others, right? Because you start to see people as they really are. That, that person who's lost, who's an atheist, who hates Christians, that person who has hurt people and all this stuff, guess what they are to God? The precious fruit of the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't want our young people getting their identity from our public school systems. We don't want them getting their identity from their Christian school or their homeschool group. We want them getting their identity from who Christ is, a revelation knowledge of who Christ is, right? And you as a parent, where should you send your kids to school? Oh man, public schools are getting really bad. Well, you know, there's Christian schools that'll, that, that'll uh, teach your children that, um, you know, when a baby is born, deformed, or with all these things, that God created them in the womb that way, and that's his plan for their life. That's demonic. That's demonic. Right? So you got to be careful. So what do you do? You be led by the Spirit. And you walk in your authority. And if you have a piece about sending your kids to a public school, this is what you do. You bind Satan. I bind you. You're not going to touch my son. You're not going to put this stuff into him. And then you, right? Wherever, you got to be led by the Spirit of God. So Proverbs 28.1, and I, I want to pull that up again because I love this scripture. The wicked flee when no one pursues them. But the righteous, they are as bold as a lion. They're not arrogant, Arrogance is who, look who I am. Boldness is who, look who he is. Look who I am in him. Guys, are you righteous today? Then you are bold as a lion. That boldness is in you, right? You don't fear anything. You don't have a spirit of fear. 
Daniel 11.32, at the end of that verse, it says, but they that know their God will be strong. This means, this Hebrew word strong means courageous enough to grab hold of things. And they will do exploits. That means they will do things uh, according, well, actually, it, it, the Hebrew word means they will do things beyond their own natural ability. I love that. You know, I, I went to this scripture earlier. Go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We're talking about finding your identity in Christ. This is why. You know, well, John chapter 17 is awesome. It starts out in verse 3. Let's look at verse 3. It says, and this is life eternal. In other words, God is defining what eternal life is. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. What is eternal life? It is knowing God. They that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Right? In the same chapter, God says this in verse 17. Jesus praying, before he goes to the cross, he goes, sanctify them. He's praying for for the saints that will come. Sanctify them. Set them apart for the master's use. How? Through thy truth. And then he tells us what truth is. Thy word is truth. This is not a truth. This is the truth. Truth is, see the world will say, well truth is whatever I believe it to be. That's, that's a lie. Truth is not of this world. But then look at verse 18. Look at who you are as a child of God. As you have sent me into this world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Jesus is saying, Father, in the same way you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. In other words, you are sent just like Jesus. Go over to John chapter 20 in verse 21. Jesus says, now this, this is after he comes out of the tomb. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. You have a call on your life. You might be disguised as something for work, but that's not who you are. You are actually all called on assignment for this short span called your life. You, you are in full-time ministry. God, you are on assignment. Your job is literally to be a form of worship. Where do you work? Wherever he wants you to, because that's where your fruit is. Yeah, but I need to make more money. No, 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 no. He's your provider. You seek first the kingdom. He'll add it all to you. Right? But this is so important that we know this. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. There's a specific plan. Go to John chapter 14. Just back a couple chapters here. John chapter 14 in verse 12. He says this. Jesus speaking again, again, this is before he even went to the cross, he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, 
that he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works are you going to do because I'm going to my Father. Isn't that amazing? He's called us just the Father, as the Father called Jesus, Jesus has called us. The works that Jesus did, greater works are we going to do because we went to the Father. So now jump over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Here we go. Man, new Bibles. Wow. I know I have a 1 John in here somewhere. There we go. It's in the wrong spot again. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Look at this. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself so to walk as he walked. What? Yeah. See, as you find your identity in Christ, you will do the works that he did and greater works. You will walk as he walked. That's who you are right now as a righteous child of God. Wow. So are you still in Matthew chapter 16? Or did you go down the rabbit trail with me a little bit? So let's go back to Matthew chapter 16 because I want to see this in context again, right? So Jesus says, hey guys, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah. Yeah, okay, all right, great, or one of the prophets. But guys, who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus answers and says to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Verse 18. And I say also unto you. So now he's saying something else. That you are Peter. Again, Petros, a small rock. And upon this rock, Petra, a big rock. What big rock? A revelation of who Jesus is. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not overpower it, will not be, ever be superior in strength, will not ever get the upper hand. Right? Now verse 19. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys. What do keys do? They unlock things. They also lock things. Right? But guess what the thing about keys? So if you choose not to use your key to your car, so you're leaving church and you're like, you know what, I know this is the key to my car, but I'm just going to leave it in my seat here in the sanctuary, but I'm going home. Try to start your car without the key. Okay, now some of you have that thing on your phone. Okay, leave you got a, technology. So then you got to leave all your technology in here too. Could you open, unlock your car without a key? You couldn't. You could literally cry out in the parking lot. I don't understand why this car doesn't work. That's what Christians are doing right now. Why, God, why? Why? We have keys that we've been given. They're keys of the kingdom. Look at what they do. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. 
whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, God is saying, whatever you allow, I will allow. Whatever you refuse to allow, I will refuse to allow it. In other words, when I bind something on this earth, heaven backs it up. Boy, that really blows that sovereignty thing out of the water, kind of. Well, you know, God is sovereign. If he wanted me healed, I would be healed. And you just never know what God's, you know, God's got a deeper plan for me. He's using this sickness to teach me something. No, the enemy's trying to kill you. So you bind him, right? Satan, take your hands off of my physical body. I bind you. I cancel every assignment again that you have to take me out physically. And what does heaven do? They back that up. Right? You need money. Right? Let's say you need $1,000. What do you do? Father, right now I claim $1,000. Now Satan, I bind you. I command you to take your hands off of that $1,000 in the earth system. Right? And now, angels of God, you go into the earth system, and in Jesus' name, I command you, Satan, to loose that $1,000 so that they could bring that to my life. Whatever you bind in heaven will be bound. Whatever you, why? Because you've been given keys of the kingdom, but you won't ever use the keys because that's too good to be true. Could it be that simple? It is that simple, but if you don't understand that you are a righteous child of God, that you have the authority in the name of Jesus to declare these things. See, why does Mark eleven twenty three? 23, why when Jesus is teaching on the operation of faith, he says, verse 23 is how you, anything trying to, anything not coming from God that's trying to stop you, he doesn't tell you to pray to me about it. He says, you speak to the mountain. That's, that's what this is doing, right? Realize that in your life. Look at your life. I hope you go home today and go, okay, I'm a child of God. What? There are things in my life. I bet right now we could take a piece of paper, you could write all of them down right now because you think about them, right? If there's something going on in your physical body, I bet you know it. If there's something going on in your finances, if you have something to do in your heart and you're not able to do it and there's some inner turmoil there or whatever, you know exactly if your marriage isn't where you want it to be. Here's a big one. If your children are not what, what, they're, what you want them to do, serving God, whatever, you have authority. But you got to know who you are. So let's go to Colossians real quick as we kind of come down to the end of this. Colossians chapter 3. Hang in there. This is real important. You guys are doing good, though. I mean, there's a little bit of thinking about lunch right now, you know, the, the, the smells and all this. That's just bad, isn't it? I know, honoriness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, if you be risen with Christ. Now, in the Greek, it would read like this. Since you were risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. 
And this word seek means seek with all of your heart things which are above. Look at this now. Keep going. Because right now, think, seeking those things which are above, you start thinking of, okay, you're thinking of behavior. Okay, what, what do I need to do? What do I need? You know, I need to keep my eyes on Jesus so I do the right thing. No, keep, we got to get the context of this. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits or where Christ is sitting, literally in the Greek, on the right hand or the right side of God. What the throne of God, where God the Father sits, where Jesus is sitting, we're sitting there with him in Christ, the epistles tell us. What is that place? It is the place of highest power and authority. God is telling you, Seek with all of your heart. As you're walking on the earth, you're seeking with all of your heart where you are positionally seated in authority in Christ. See, you got to know where you're seated, otherwise the enemy's going to be able to steal, kill, and destroy things in your life. This is so important. Verse 2, set. Now we're getting into it. Because this is not a suggestion from the head of the church. This is in the strongest commanded text in the Greek. He's saying, I want you to make a decision to deliberately set your affection. Now, this Greek word means your mind. So we're talking about your mind now. God is commanding you. I want you to deliberately set your mind on things above not on things of the earth. Deliberately set. This word set, it, means, it literally means to harden, to congeal. It's a process. Like if you, were go out, if you were to have somebody pour a new driveway for you, it would start out, it wouldn't be hard, but then it would kind of congeal and harden. And that's what God is saying. You fix your eyes on where you are positionally in me as you walk on this earth, and you, that the eyes of your heart, right? You fix them. You fix your heart where you are with Christ, and you deliberately set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Why do I do that? Because you are dead. Pastor, thank you so much. Verse 3, I came to church. I'm dead. Great. But that's why we do it. For you are dead. In other words, in the Greek it would read, for you died. We did. The day you come to Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. You're not, you're, you're not dead anymore. You're alive now. For you died and your life, it's interesting that they use the word for life, zoe. Your life is dripping with the essence and quality of life that God has. That's the life he's given you, not just a natural life, way beyond that. For your life is hid with Christ in God. Wow. Literally in the Greek, it would read like this, for you are dead or for you died and your life has been hid together with Christ in God. 
So basically, you and Jesus, your life and Jesus' life is like this, and then it's in God. That's where you are. That's who you are. Wow. See, being identified, being identified with Christ means that you are treated and considered the same as Christ. Well, what do you mean? The Bible says things like this. As he is, seated on the throne with a name given above all names. As he is, so are you in this world. Amen. Now, are you, are you God? No, you're his kid. Are you the head of the church? No. Do you walk in all the authority that Jesus got? Yes, he gave it to you. He gave it to you and he said, listen, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose, I'll loose. Isn't that amazing? He even said things like this, Whoever, whosoever sins you forgive, I'll forgive. Amen. Do you know nobody is ever going to stand before God who ever wronged me and will have to give an account for anything they did? Because I always tell people, I, I, I always tell the Lord, okay, Father, I forgive them, and Father, I ask that you would erase that, that they would never have to suffer. Now, my flesh is going, are you kidding me? Don't say that, <laughs> Right? that they never have to experience the wages of sin is death, that there will be no death come upon them because of what they did to me, because I forgive them. Man, your flesh hates that, but it'll help you walk in forgiveness. And pretty soon you start loving them, and you're just like, well, where'd that come from? Right? That came from your heart. It's who you are. See, we have, we, to treat or consider identical. In other words, what am I saying today? Your total and complete identity is in Christ. Amen. Not in your past mistakes. Not in your present secret sin. Not in detrimental thought processes that you might have right now. No. God loves you. That's your identity. And as you learn these things, wow. Well, let me just read some things to you. Galatians 4.19 says this. I've got a couple minutes here. And I only mean like two or three, so you guys are good. We're almost done. Galatians 4.19. I love this. Paul says this. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again. What does he mean again? Well, he travailed in intercessory prayer for these people to get saved. Now that they're saved, he's travailing in supplication, in the prayer of supplication for them so that they could lay hold of the plan of God for their life. That's why he says again, my little children of whom I travail in birth again, how long will I do this? Until Christ be formed in you. That's the renewing of your mind. Right? This is so incredible. So I want to leave you with this scripture. It'll make a lot more sense to you. And it's 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says here, but we all, with an open face, that means with an unveiled face, 
beholding as in a glass, really it's the word mirror, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Do you know when you peer into the word of God, you're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The Bible says as you peer into the word of God, look at this, you are changed into the same image. How? From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So in other words, as God reveals himself to you through his word, you are transformed into his image. And you will now begin to know your identity in him. Isn't that beautiful? It's amazing what God has given us. God loves you today. He loves you so much. He wants you to know who you are in him.